Well, hello, everybody. Uh, we're going to be uh, looking at the soccer landscape through the eyes of uh, four uh, of the top players in our country. They are Volkswagen ambassadors, two on the women's side, uh, two on the men's side. My name is Glenn Crooks. I'm the former women's coach at Rutgers University, still a coach at Players Development Academy here in New Jersey. And I'm the host of the uh, Coaching Academy on Sirius XMFC. So with me here today, what a privilege. First, Crystal Dunn. Portland uh, Thorns and uh, the U.S. Women's National Team, Kelly O'Hara, Washington Spirit, and the U.S. Women's National Team, U.S. Men's National Team and RB Leipzig uh, midfielder, Tyler Adams, uh, or is he a midfielder? Is he a back? Uh, we're going to ask that a little bit later on. And then uh, Jordan Morris, who is uh, with the Seattle Sounders and also the U.S. Men's National Team. Well, uh, thank you all so much. I, I think, uh, a bit of this is going to be uh, reviewing the year, you know, what you went through, how you handled it, some of the different things you did as athletes and, and some of the obstacles, and then uh, look to see what's ahead for 2021. Jordan, I want to start with you because it was just about a year ago today when the, um, the first uh, coronavirus victim was actually in your part of the country in the state of Washington. That was in January. And then as things unfolded, uh, we learned more and more. Can you take us back to that time and when you feel like maybe it first impacted you, uh, the players, or may maybe your community? Yeah, definitely. Um, first of all, it's, it's awesome to be here. Um, so thanks for, uh, thanks for having us. And um, yeah, it was definitely a, a really scary and, and obviously very, um, very sad time here. It, it hit a nursing home pretty hard and um I, I think it really um kind of made it feel feel real for for everyone in in seattle and and uh kind of put in into motion everything that's that's happened through, throughout the year so I, I think really um you know it was we'd heard of it before and and but it when it hits so close to home it, it definitely makes it feel really real and, and i think um that realization of staying home and staying safe hit hit pretty quickly um after that so and Jordan, your, uh, your situation is, is a little more unique and threatening. You have uh, type 1 diabetes. And, and just reading from something, uh, it's one of the seven underlying conditions that pose great risk for severe illness from COVID-19. So I imagine that you've been as cautious as, uh, as any of us. Yeah, for sure. I think um, having diabetes is a little bit more of a risk. And so just taking every precaution very seriously and, and trying to stay as, as safe as possible. But really for me, it just shows that there's um, a lot of people out there that are, are really at risk and um, that this would obviously be really um, bad if they um, ended up getting COVID. So I think for me, it was just a case of, of understanding that that fact and really trying to be safe for myself, but, but really um, more importantly for others as well. Can you uh, just... Uh review a little bit of what you have to go through in order to be safe uh, for your training, for your games, how you manage that? Uh, in terms of a diabetic or for? Yes, in terms of a diabetic and then especially, yeah, in terms of diabetic, but then, you know, again, being so cautious. Yeah, definitely. So as a, as a diabetic, I just have to make sure that my, my blood sugar is in the right uh, spot going into trainings and, and going into games. So um, it's a case of just managing what, what I eat and, and counting um, how many carbs I have and give myself insulin to try to make sure going into a game, uh, especially, but going into training that my, my blood sugar is in the right spot. So I've had it since I was nine. And so it's just kind of part of my life now, um, something that I, I deal with, but, but yeah, on top of, um, you know, with, with COVID, there's nothing else I really do on, on the, the diabetes side of things. It's more just taking those extra precautions every day to to stay safe and, and uh, again, for, for myself, but also for, for others out there too. So. Yeah. So Crystal, we don't, we don't always understand what everybody is going through. You know, it's all kind of individual. How was it to, for you? When do you remember it being, you know, something, cause it's kind of your off season. So when did you remember it being impactful? Yeah, so Kelly and I had just gotten done with the She Believes tournament. So for a long time, we knew COVID was, you know, existing, but we didn't know that it was in the U.S. So, of course, we had our She Believes tournament. There were 20,000 people in the stands. And then I remember we all flew home. And when we all landed, that's when the world was shut down. So 
it kind of just hit us hard because we had just gotten off this tournament win and, um, you know, came back to our markets and then the we didn't know what was next. So it was, um, it was definitely scary. It was um, one of those things where for weeks you were just like turning on the news, trying to get more information and educate yourself on what's going on because I feel like the message kind of got blurred all across the, the world of how serious this, this virus was. So um, I think it took a lot of people individually to really seek information and try to prepare themselves the best way possible. Kelly, was it clear to you how, how serious it was at first or did it take a little time? Um, no, I mean, like Crystal said, we were in She Believes camp and the tournament and we, like she said, played a game. I, I think we were in Dallas or Houston or somewhere maybe. Somewhere. 20,000 fans in the stadium. And after the game, Kate Markgraf, our GM, came into the locker room and told us that April camp games had been canceled. And I remember asking her like, oh, well, can we still have camp? Because in my mind, I'm thinking we've got Olympics to prepare for, you know, like hopefully this isn't something that is going to be long-term. Nobody, like Crystal said, you know, this was a kind of an education piece that everyone had to take on individually. And none of us really understood the enormity of the situation, I think. Um, so, but then once we got home, I live in DC, things were shut down very quickly. And then it kind of became like, okay, this is going to be our reality for a while. And I think it still took me a week or two to realize like, nothing's happening for a good amount of time um, because I was still trying to stay fit, stay training, stay very focused on potentially playing in the Olympics. Um, but then, you know, as things ramped up pretty much exponentially, you, everybody, I think started to realize, all right, this is, this is going to be something like we've never seen before. And she believes that was the first weekend or second weekend it, of March? Yes. Yeah, so it was the first two week and a half of March. I think the last game we played was on March 11th. And I think, I think that was a Wednesday. And by the next Monday, everything was, was shut down. Wow. Well, Tyler, uh, your experience is different than these three, just because you're in a different part of the world. And, uh, and the one thing we know about where you are playing in the Bundesliga with Leipzig is that was the, the first professional league to um, uh, is, I hope I'm not uh, forgetting the NWSL challenge cup here, but as far as the first uh, European league, first professional league to get back going. So can you uh, relate your dealing with this, your teammates and living abroad and not being able to uh, connect physically with family. Yeah, for me, it was uh, definitely a very difficult situation. Um, like Kelly, uh, Crystal and Jordan had already said, um, I didn't quite understand the circumstances of it um, until uh, it started to progress more and more. So actually um, I was injured for basically the first half of the season um, before Corona hit. And then when we got back into the swing of games, I remember we had a Champions League game against Tottenham, um, and that was a huge game for us. Um, we had won the game and moved on to uh, the quarterfinals of, of Champions League. And then the following weekend, all the leagues were shut down. Um, we had heard from, from around the Bundesliga that um, we might be able to progress without fans, um, but no, all the games were canceled. And you know, little did we know that it would be for the next couple of months that we weren't gonna be able to participate in games. Um, and training. I wasn't going to be able to see my family. Um, and basically just how that whole situation would progress was a complete question mark. Um, so for me, I remember waking up, you know, uh, the morning after that Champions League game and I had my cousins here and they were like, uh, they, wake, they woke me up in the middle of the night and they were like, uh, I have to go home. And I was like, what do you mean you guys have to go home? Like, what's happening? And we were like, they were like, yeah, well, um, you know, Trump might raise a travel ban uh, from anyone coming from Europe that we might not be able to get back into the country. And I was like, yeah, well, I guess you guys have to go then. Um, and yeah, it just happened really quickly. So, um, you know, now in a fortunate situation, we were, you know, one of the first teams around the world to be able to start training again with many, you know, safety precautions, wearing a mask, social distancing, all these different nuances that are now normal to our everyday lives. Um, but yeah, it just progressed in a, in a quick situation and we had to adapt on the fly. Tyler, your family in New York, uh, so how often have you been able to see them or have you, uh, what's that been like? 
Yeah. So unfortunately I haven't seen them in like eight months now or nine months, um, which has obviously been, you know, difficult, but for the safety of everyone, you know, I'm, I'm able to travel home, but it just doesn't really make much sense because when you get back having a quarantine and not knowing if you have the virus and, you know, how difficult it is to get tested, um, it's better to obviously, you know, keep my distance right now at the moment. Um, they're going to be able to get the vaccine soon, which is going to be nice. My dad's a teacher. Uh, my mom works at home. So um, they're going to be kind of the first line to, to get the the early stages of that, which will be nice. So um, I'm excited when I have the next opportunity to go home to see my brothers who are at college, um, and then obviously my parents as well. Right, Kelly, you uh, you brought up the uh, and all of you, you're athletes. So this hits, and all of a sudden you're not able to uh, you know have the same workout routine, which I'm sure is you know is you guys are like uh, you know it, it's something you do on a daily basis. Uh, being athletes at your level, that's just, it's part of the job, but it's also part of your drive. So Kelly, let's start with you. What uh, were some of the things that you were able to do individually, since you weren't uh, at first be, uh, weren't able to be around teammates to, to, to keep your fitness, to keep sharp? And then we'll hear from everybody else. Well, it definitely isn't easy. Like there's nothing, you can't replicate a team environment. Like nothing's better than being able to be with a team. And I think most, most athletes will say like training on your own kind of sucks most of the time, just because you're just grinding away by yourself. But, um, you, that was, that was the reality. There was, there was no team training. There was nothing. So for me, I actually, I bought a road bike, um, because I was like, I'm not going to just pound away on this track that I'm like kind of sneaking onto and like on this turf field in the middle of the city. So I bought a, I bought a road bike and because everything was shut down, the roads are pretty much open. So I, I kind of use that to keep my endurance, keep my fitness, um, kind of low impact, uh, but still be able to do it. And then I also, uh, borrowed weights from my trainer in DC and had to like go downstairs and open the trunk and take it out of the parking deck onto the parking deck and lift weights in my apartment's parking deck. So that's what I was doing. Wow. Jordan yeah. Morris, how about yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah. Similar. I think, um, like Kelly said, training on your own is just not, not nearly as much fun or as productive. I don't think so. Um, I think the team uh, did a good job of trying to um, get us to, to work together a little bit in terms of doing zoom sessions a couple of times a week. Um, where we do uh, workouts at home, um, doing squats on the on the or off the couch and things like that. Um, so that was interesting. And then they would send us runs um, that we had to do as well, and we kind of uploaded them to a to an app that they could see. So it was it was great to still be engaged in some way because because being so far, um, you know, from seeing your your teammates, you, you miss that camaraderie. So so being able to 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 see them every once in a while was was great. Crystal, I don't know if you were on Zoom calls uh, earlier in your life, but that became a, a big part of uh, the workouts, the connection. Tell us about your experience with that. Yeah, um, Zoom is a big part of everyone's life now, which is totally fine. It's a great way to connect. I think obviously everything is now virtual, which to be fair, it needs to be. Um, but um, like Jordan and Kelly both touched on just like being by yourself was very, very difficult, but I do think um, being able to hop on Zoom calls with like family members and like connect in that way really kept, kept like the hope alive in a sense and made you feel like, you know, even though you're far away from your family, you can still connect and, and teammates as well. And you could just still connect and feel um, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Kelly can contest. We had a lot of Zoom calls in the very beginning with our um, national team coach and obviously all the players and it was a little overwhelming in the beginning. It was like every week it was like, get on the Zoom call. And I was just like, okay, all right, click, I'm on. And um, I just think over time, I think we started to realize that COVID isn't going away. So I think then the Zoom calls kind of slowed down a bit, which I was a little happy about. But um, I think, yeah, as long as there was a way to connect and, and really just help each other and lean on each other through during these tough times, I, I felt like it was a necessity for everything to be virtual, obviously. Can you uh, take us into one of those Zoom calls with the national team coach and uh, give us some specifics as to what you would do? Yeah, some of them would be just strictly film, just going over clips from previous games and just, you know, talking tactics. And, you know, that was very normal. Obviously, that's what we normally would be doing in camps. 
Um, and then a lot of them were team building um, Zoom calls, which was really great. It was a great change up of not just thinking only about soccer, but um, culture and how we can build culture and, and make it stronger in our environment. So um, it was definitely a good blend of uh, talking tactics, but then also talking about the behind the scenes of building culture and just creating an overall overall uh, strong team. Well, a lot of it has had to deal with adversity. And uh, I wanted to ask each one of you, uh, because I think, uh, you know, in my time coaching and learning more about the profession and uh, having children myself, you know, you, you talk about adversity and how you respond to that, how you deal with that. I wonder if each of you could just take a moment and uh, think of or think back to what you think the most adverse moment in your life was and how you de dealt with it and how you got past it. You know, what were some of the key factors? Uh, Jordan, could we start with you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think for me, in terms of my career, um, the most adversity that I've had to overcome is I tore my ACL two years ago now. Um, we were playing a Champions League game um, in El Salvador. Um, and I remember at the end of the game was running towards goal and uh, kind of got my foot caught in the turf and uh, just knew right away. My dad's actually an orthopedic surgeon. So he explain to me all, all the time what happens when someone tears their ACL. So I've known for, for a while. So I knew, I kind of knew exactly what it, what it was. He's actually the, the team doctor for the Sounders. So he ran out on the field and uh, kind of did all the, the checks, but I, I knew. Uh, did he, did knew he do, did he do the surgery? He didn't do the surgery. No. Okay. Uh, all right. Someone else did the surgery. Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't think he wanted to, or I don't know if he's able to do that one actually. So um <laughs> But no, it was a, obviously a challenging moment because, like I said, I kind of knew all the information behind it, knew the recovery um, time, the recovery process. But I think I've come back from that injury uh, a much better player. And, and I think why is 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 a, kind of a change in, in mentality. Like going into that time, obviously, you know, I love to play soccer. Um, it's always what I, what I dreamt to do. And, and being able to play for the Sounders, and with the national team was amazing, but, but I think I was taking things for granted a little bit and I would go to training some days and, and feel a little burnt out and, you know, maybe wish I wasn't training or, or something like that. But during that recovery process, I miss playing soccer so much. I, I miss being on the field. I miss being with my teammates and it gave me this whole new sense of uh, appreciation for the game and appreciation for what we get to do every day for, for a living. I mean, being able to play soccer as a living is, is a pretty, um, unique and, and special thing. So I think coming back with that new sense of appreciation for the game and never taking a, a training or a game for, for granted. And, and just, I really came back with a new fire because being, being away from the game for a year, you miss it so much. So I think a combination of all those things, just uh, my mentality has shifted since coming back. And I think it's honestly helped me become a better player. So. Well, when you coach this game long enough, uh, you're going to have a number of athletes that go through this. And you also tried to tell them, Hey, sit, watch the games, study, you know, and I have had athletes that have come back and they've been better players. Like they'll do something. I said, where'd you, where'd you come up with that? Oh, well, I watched, you know, so-and-so did you, uh, did you have that sense as well? Yeah, definitely. I think I was, um, I watched more film and, and, um, was just so excited to get back and to get better as a, as a player. So yeah, for sure. I, I think when I was, when I was out, I was watching a lot of a lot of games and, and itching to get back on the field. Yeah, Crystal, how about yourself? Uh, adverse uh, moment and and how you dealt with it? Yeah, um, well, I have one that I feel like I kind of talk about a lot. So I think I'll talk about one that I feel like I'm constantly still going through, and that's um, playing multiple positions on two different teams is something that has always been a challenge for me and even though sometimes I may make it look like it's an easy task, it's really, really difficult. And every single year I step into the NWSL or play for the national team, I have to really, you know, not overwhelm myself with the idea that I am playing two different roles, but kind of almost simplify my game to the idea of, you know, it's just, it's just soccer, you know, it's the same, it's the same game, regardless of where you are on the pitch. And I think, um, I'm still working on it. It still is an overwhelming task at times, but I think, it's something that has made me a better player. It's made me appreciate the game more knowing that I see the game from multiple angles and have different perspectives of the game, but it is definitely not an easy challenge wanting to be your absolute best in the NWSL being the 10 or being a forward and assisting scoring that kind of stuff. But then also 
being the very best outside back you can possibly be um, in the world on the national team. So um, that is something that I'm like, yeah, it's great. It's awesome. I'm growing, but I'm like, ah, oh, man, it's so challenging. And it's, you know, makes me want to pound my head up against the wall at times. But um, so, yeah. Crystal, you're crushing it. Kelly's nodding her head during all that because, you know, she was a Herman trophy winner scoring all those goals for Stanford. And now she's a fullback. Right, Cal? That is true. That is true. Although I will say, yeah, I, I did kind of have that same feeling that Crystal had for a bit in the end of her cell where I was playing outside back. Sometimes I'd play outside mid and yeah. then I was playing outside forward for my old club team at sky blue for a couple of years. And now I, I thankfully have found myself just at outside back, which is a bit better. Um, I can attest to that, that it's like much better to just play uh, one position sometimes, but again, Crystal's crushing it. She's, it, she makes it look easy and it's because she's that good. So thanks. Versa so. Versatility coaches love versatility, they, right? They do. Absolutely. You know, and, and Tyler, versatility. So I'm going to go back to you. I'm, I'm going to get back to you, Kelly, about adversity. And Tyler, I want you to address that too. But um, I don't know how you feel about, like, a lot of people made a lot about you playing right back under Greg Berhalter for the one game you played for him, right? And then uh, and then the other day, you started at fullback for, for Leipzig. So it kind of brought back these, uh, these right back memories. Yeah, I mean, I... At this point, I play a different position every game. I mean, we and in Leipzig, it's like our, our coach is known for his tactical ability and how he sees the game. And even, you know, last game I played, yeah, like you said, fullback. But if you watch the game, then defensively, I play the number six. And then with the ball, I would play as we play five in the back and I play as a winger. And then sometimes when we're getting pressured, four in the back and like it's just all over the place. But, you know, like Crystal and Kelly said, you know, it's it's hard to manage expectations sometimes, you know, playing all these different positions and you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Um, but as soon as you, you realize the positive and, you know, you look at it and say, it's just soccer, I'm playing the game I love and um, I'm happy to be on the field because again, you know, versatility does bring that one positive that, you know, if you're good at multiple positions, there's a higher percentage that you're going to be playing. And at the end of the day, as long as I'm playing, I'm happy. So, yeah. I suppose the difficulty might be that there, there's so much film now so much breaking down your game, individual sessions with coaches, I would imagine, but you're really focused on a position when you're doing that, I would think. So is that, so you're really trying to continually learn to be better at a position and that, that movement, is that, is that what makes it challenging? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, for myself, I mean, most of the time in training, I am playing one position. I'll, I'll play a number six. And then a lot of times when we have injuries, I'll play right back and fill in. And at the end of the day, you know, as long as I have a smile on my face and I'm going out there and doing what I love, then I'll be happy at the end of the day. But yeah, breaking down video, finding ways to improve and develop, um, you know, a lot of that depends on the coaches and, and helping me to understand my role within the team. So um, as soon as the, the communication is clear and I understand my role, I think it's easier to develop for sure so tyler how about uh, can we back uh, get back we won't call that an adverse moment for you this versatility hey. you have to come up with something different but can you think of something then and, uh, and uh, how you moved forward from it yeah, nothing crazy. I mean, it's very similar to Jordan. Um, I, I didn't miss a whole year or tear my ACL. Um, but when I first arrived in Leipzig, um, I remember I played so many games right away and, you know, I was on fire and I was like, wow, you know, this is the best thing ever. You know, when you're on such a high um, and you're flowing with confidence, you don't really ever look at what could possibly, you know, ruin that that flow of energy and, and all the positives. So um, I remember after our Pokal final against Bayern Munich, um, I went on vacation. I came back uh, for the new year, excited to work under a new coach, and um, I got injured. Um, and it didn't seem like anything crazy at the time, um, just an adductor injury, um, but it was one that just continued to reoccur. So I remember every six weeks I would come back and I'd hop in a training session. I'm like, oh, I'm ready to go. And then two days later, I'm like, the same pain and soreness is coming back. And, you know, at a certain point, you get so down and negative and, you know, you start to dwell on, on certain moments that, you, you, you know, you never thought about in your career and you're like why is this happening to me and you know being alone as a 19 year old in Germany you know not having my family around to support me which maybe when I'm in New York and playing for the Red Bulls you know when you have your family around you kind of forget about you know some of these you know negative moments that are going on but you know like Jordan said you know once I came back and I was able to start playing again um, 
you realize that sometimes you do take it for granted. And, you know, every day that I'm on the pitch now, um, it's, you know, a blissful moment to be out there with my teammates, um, you know, play in front of fans again, hopefully one day at this point. But, um, you know, just remembering all the moments that, that made you enjoy the sport you love so much. Well, we're here with the Volkswagen uh, ambassadors, uh, Kelly O'Hara, Crystal Dunn, uh, Jordan Morris, and Tyler Adams. And uh, Kelly, I, I reserved the last spot for you in terms of adversity. Uh, is it an injury story for you or is there something else? I've definitely had my fair share of injuries, knock on wood, you know, nothing happening anytime soon. Um, stay healthy. But I would say mine um, came from the 2015 World Cup. I was part of that roster, um, went to Canada. And at that point, you know, I'd been on the team for a bit and really felt like, or hoped that I would get some minutes, get into some games and three games into the tournament, hadn't seen the field, hadn't been subbed in nothing. And, and that started to weigh on me just because I was like, oh, I'm at this, you know, the pinnacle of my career, right? I'm at the, the world cup where everyone dreams to be, but I'm not playing and that's not realizing this goal that I have for myself. And um, it was a really hard time because I wanted to be the best teammate possible. We were obviously there for a reason. Like we all wanted to go as a team win. And at the end of the day for me playing or not playing, like if my team's winning, I'm going to be all in. Um, so I had to figure out how to kind of mentally position myself and approach my role as a support player and, but then also be ready for when my number got called and, and got subbed in um, or, you know, potentially got to start. So um, that, that was a really hard time. Cause a lot of people look at it and it's like, oh, this must be the, the happiest, most exciting time. And it was really difficult. Um, but I'm thankful that I had to go through that and eventually got to, I think I started maybe the, I think the quarterfinal game or something. That was the first time I touched the field that tournament. Um, but I approached each practice once I realized like, you're not gonna get any game time to, to kind of get ready. If you need to go in in critical moments, you need to be ready regardless. So I approached every practice like it was a World Cup final and, and, and then also just tried to be the best teammate possible. So, um, I think that was, that was a really big lesson for me in, in how to just kind of, you have to internalize what you're going through, um, be a good teammate, but then also stay ready and control what you can control. And that's being the best teammate. And Jordan, you know that, uh, well, the four of you, you know, you haven't experienced that much being on the bench. You guys uh, throughout your careers, for, for the most part, have been regulars, but you can really appreciate uh, a reserve, someone not playing a lot, uh, working hard in practice and making you better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a team sport, uh, 100%. And I always go back to this story um, when, when I think about a great teammate, my buddy at, at Stanford, one of my best friends, um, he was the he was in my same class and we had, we actually had two goalies in my same class and we were all like best friends, but you could see, so off the field, they're very good friends on the field. They're fighting for a spot. Um, so it's kind of a little bit of an awkward situation, but um, my, my one buddy who ended up being the backup, he came to training every day, like Kelly said, and, and approached training like it was the world cup final. He was going to push, you know, his other friend that ended up being the starter as hard as he could try to win his spot. But, be the best teammate that he could be on and off the field. And he was, I remember when we score goals, you know, everyone would come celebrate. He was the first one off the bench that would run over and celebrate with whoever scored. He was just, he was the best teammate. And I always took such inspiration from that because I, like, I don't know if I could, could do that. He was just so um, both on and off the field, just such a good teammate, but he, but he pushed people every day to, to get better. And uh, it was awesome. My, my one buddy ended up the one that was a starter ended up leaving and, and my, my other friend took over and they went on to win the national championship that year with, with him and goal. So it was, it was just a really cool story and just a, a successful one where if you keep working hard, keep being a, a good teammate, um, that, that things will, will work out for you. So. You can get rewarded, right? Crystal. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, 2015 was also a really hard year for me as well. And I think, just as Kelly touched on, you just, you have to internalize what you're going through and, and stay ready and just 
you know, try to be as positive in your, in your spirits as, as possible because, you know, your moment can come at the drop of a hat and it's, it's important to stay ready so you actually don't have to really get ready. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Do you think it's uh, important too, because I, you know, I know players will oftentimes if they're not playing and feel like maybe they should be that they take it out on the coach, uh, different things like that. They, they look at outside sources and uh, rather than looking uh, internal and just taking care of what you can take care of. You think so, Crystal? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's important to just work on yourself. You know, if you miss out on the roster, if you're not playing, whatever the challenging moment that you're going through is, I think just focus on what you can control. You know, you can control your attitude, you control your, your work ethic, uh, being a good teammate. Those are things that are within your control. And um, if you push those forward and, and execute those to your best ability, then regardless of the decision that a coach makes, you, you just have to be proud that you left it all out there and you, um, you know, really, you know, pushed yourself to be the very best person and teammate you could possibly be. Well, you're all imparting uh, great advice for young players and also coaches. Uh, they could take this to players as well. Uh, you know, I, there are um, there will be a number of, uh, of young people who view this uh, or their coaches. And I wonder when you look at uh, preparing for events, uh, even yourselves now in 21, but we look at the youth landscape now and there is still, I mean, you know, California, they're not out training uh, here in New Jersey. We're training, but we can't compete out of state. I mean, there, uh, what do you say, Tyler, to, to the players, you know, how can they stay focused, prepare, still have fun? I mean, this, uh, you know, for athletes is a great challenge because it's such a big part of their life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, all of us here have obviously had to face the adversity of, of how COVID affected I would say that the younger kids are probably facing it on an almost even larger scale because of, you know, we're now playing games again and we're able to enjoy doing what we love, um, obviously without spectators. So, you know, if, if I was a young kid right now, I'd obviously be kicking a ball in the house. My mom would probably, you know, be yelling at me nonstop. Um, but I would just encourage everyone to, you know, find ways to have fun, you know, go outside, work on your skills and hone your skills so that when you are able to, you know, compete again, um, you're bringing the right mentality and attitude to, to every training session because, um, you know, throughout this all, we've all had to remain patient and obviously patience is a virtue and a lot of us have learned it throughout this time now. So, um, you know, to, to every single kid out there, there, there are ways that you can get better, you know, whether it's watching games and professionals and, you know, learning all the little details of the games and figuring out what you can do to improve your own game. Um, so individually, I think that there's a lot that of positives that people can still take away from this so that, you know, when they return to play, they are prepared. And, and Kelly, you're, you know, it's not only difficult for someone uh, of your age, uh, but you know, you're, you're, we're all social, you know, you know, being with our friends and, you know, being together is, is such a, an important facet of this. So, I mean, how, um, how did you overcome some of those things and, and what can you impart to our youth here? Cause it's really, uh, that's a big part of it. Yeah. I think what this year, one of the things it's taught me is I'm not as social as I thought I was like, I'm pretty good just hanging out in my <laughs> house, like relaxing by myself. Um, but no, I mean, I can't imagine being a kid or a teenager going through this time, especially, I mean, really anyone, but especially athletes, like Tyler said, like, this is, it, it's rough. They don't, they're not able to do the things that we as professionals are being um, given the opportunity to do, getting back, playing, being in team environments. So um, uh, it just, thankfully, you know, we do have this amazing thing called the internet, which is sometimes a crazy thing, but Zoom, FaceTime, all those things, like I, had trivia nights with my friends back in quarantine, those sorts of things. So even though life is a bit different and maybe a bit slower than um, a lot of us are used to, there's, there's a lot of opportunity to be had in slowing down, in connecting. Um, and, and even if you're sharing time virtually, you're still sharing time. So I've found that I actually feel like I talk to my family and my friends more now than I have ever because I'm, you know, not as busy as I typically am. So I think that, again, trying to find the good in everything um, and and take take that for for what it is. Any recommendations for binge watching? Uh, you go through anything? 
Well, Ted Lasso, absolutely. Um, Surprisingly, (laughs) how good was that? It's so good. You think you're like, oh God, this is going to be cringy, you know, a bit cringy at first. And then you're like, no, this is amazing. That is my genre. I need more of that all the time. Ted Lasso, that's it. No, we were probably all the same way, right? When you first heard about it, I was like, I'm not watching that. Yeah. Or maybe that's the way I was. And then so many people were tweeting out that it was such, so, so, so much fun and good. Well, you you all watched it. Everybody watched it here. Yeah. You never know how like a soccer show is going to be. Right. But it was just, it was amazing. I can't wait for season two. Hopefully that's right. Everybody's, everybody's uh, waiting for season two. Have any of you um, gotten on some zoom calls with, with youth teams or, your community or anything like that anybody done anything like that where you're where you're talking to the talking to people outside of your own family or outside of your own group yeah I spoke to some college teams I would say early on um during it early on in COVID just you know to provide any positive vibes I can send them and just tell them to hang in there and even though we don't know when this whole thing will be over just to as we all just touched on in, on this call so far, it's just stay ready, you know, enjoy, enjoy um, the things that you can do. You can still go out and, and find a, a patch of grass and, and get better, you know? So I think even though uh, you can't replicate team training, you can still work on your craft and it doesn't take a whole lot of space to get better and get more technical and um, still study the games. And luckily professional sports did return, obviously. Um, so it did at least give you know, a bit of an escape for a lot of people to not feel like all is lost. So I think um, uh, just sports returning um, gave the youth um, some hope, I would say. And even though they couldn't be out there with their teams as the professionals can, I think it still allow it still allowed them to watch the game and be a student of the game. So, yeah. Yeah. And George, we had NWS back and, and MLS is back and, uh, and then MLS managed to uh, get a well, I guess you'd have to say a majority of the season, what, 23 out of 34 games, Jordan. What was it like, though? I, You know, sometimes I would look out at the games and and it, so much happened during the course of the year. And, and it really did look like maybe players were drained at certain times. Did you, did you get that sense, whether it was your opponent, your own team? Yeah, I think it was a challenging year for, for multiple reasons. Obviously, mentally, there was so much going on for – for people, for their families, um, every day, obviously there was a, a little bit, um, or a lot of strain. And so I think mentally that, that could have been a, a big part of it. And then, um, physically as well, games came quick. I think all of us experienced experience that games come, come quick in the, in the condensed schedule. So, um, I think definitely it was a, a more fatiguing year and, and learning how to, um, deal with that and thinking about back to last year when you'd have a week between games, that seems like, so long now so um I think yeah I was just learning how to how to deal with that and I think a lot of it too was off the field a lot more um you know work in the gym injury prevention um that kind of stuff was a was a key key focal point can you pinpoint uh Jordan through all the you know the the different things the zoom calls working out on your own is there something that you're going to take away uh, from from this period of time that, that you learn that you'll now kind of uh, include in your whoop, in, in your own workout regimen? Uh, for me, I think I mentioned it a bit. It's, it's the, the pre-work, the work to get ready for games, the work to get ready for training. Obviously, you know, I did it before and, and um, sometimes that work can be a little monotonous, a little bit, you know, you, you feel like you don't necessarily have to do it, but, but I think um, it, it's so important. And um, again, coming back from mentioned before coming back from from my knee injury after that I, I felt kind of a shift in that too just doing whatever you can to, to prepare your body to to be the best that it can be going out for training going out for games is so important and, and this year it was uh, you know I would say even more important with games coming coming uh, so quickly so I think uh, that's something that I, that I took away is just the importance of, of that work and, and getting your body um, as ready as it can be. Tyler how about analyzing your game do you find that maybe there were apps or, or things that you discovered just different things where you, you get a chance to see yourself a little bit more or, or be more focused on that? To, to be fair, I was always a, a big um, student of the game, just watching as you know, many clips as possible and going back and rewatching games. I mean, I've probably done it more than often now uh, just with the downtime. And obviously as soon as, you know, COVID hit, 
Um, but yeah, just working one-on-one with coaches and, and learning little things and taking, you know, criticism uh, in the right way and, and you know, ind- individualizing, um, you know, the clips and, and realizing what I can do better, I think is important because over Corona, um, it was a huge time in those individual sessions to, you know, really work on what you needed to because, you know, you have these long sessions and then sometimes after sessions, you're, you were like, yeah, I don't want to do any individual work. Whereas when Corona hit, um, it gave you the opportunity to to really focus on what you needed to. Yeah, I remember Chris Armas telling me when you were 16 years old that you'd get home from practice and text him and look at some clips and go over the clips with him like right away. It's uh, but that's the best time to do it, right? You're still it's still fresh in your mind. Yeah, 100. percent Chris was huge for me uh, growing up and and still is. I still talk to him, so uh, he definitely helped me work on the things I needed to. Ladies, how about yourselves uh, as far as maybe carrying something that you did during this odd pandemic time and, and putting it into your regular repertoire? Chris, what you got? I'm trying to think of something good. <laughs> um, I honestly like don't want to seem like, oh, the, the time that COVID hit was like a positive in any way, but I actually really think I looked at it more of a, as a positive than actually a negative. For me personally, like, I needed rest. I feel like a lot of us who play on the national team and play for club have a a very short off season. So we were just coming off of a world cup. We were then preparing for an Olympics and there was just like no time to actually catch your breath. It was just like, go, 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 go. And then being told that, Hey, we actually have a lot more time off than we anticipated. I was kind of like, well, bummer, obviously like one, it's, you know, it's such a bummer that the Olympics got canceled. And then once I wrapped my head around that, I was like, okay, I can, I can actually take my foot off the gas for a split second. And if I do want to work out individually, like I can create a program now for myself instead of being told what to do. I can actually work on the things that I need to work on versus being at the mercy of a team training where you actually can't really work on all the things you want to work on. So I actually used, you know, two, three months um, from like, you know, April, I would say leading into the challenge cup to be like, what do I want to work on? How can I actually manage myself throughout the week? And I think it was it was for the best. I, I felt so much fresher at the end of last year than I've ever felt in any years prior. So it was actually a really good way to like really end 2020 feeling like I was way fresher heading into now 2021, which fingers crossed Olympics obviously is going on. So um, that was my biggest positive was just time off and, and using that time to really manage yourself. 2021. So it's a uh, big for the uh, men and the women. Uh, let's hit the women first. Uh, Kelly. So uh, you know, Crystal just uh, mentioned the Olympics. There, there are there isn't much sour taste when you look back at uh, the recent history of the U.S. Women's National Team, but 2016 at the Olympics was. So I would imagine everyone's pretty anxious. I don't know how often you talk about that or how much that motivates you, but uh, how big is 2021 for you and your team? Oh, it certainly motivates me. And I know it does for all my teammates. Um, 2016 was, was rough. Like that was, a a, one of the biggest bummers of my career, I have to say was how we performed, um, and, you know, going out early in, in that Olympics. So for me, 2020, what it was supposed to be, I was so excited. Cause I was like, all right, we can get back to this. Like we can, we have a chance at another gold medal. And it's something I personally want. I want another one and the team needs and wants another one. So when it got postponed, I was just thankful that it was postponed and not canceled. And now it's kind of like Crystal said, we, we all kind of had a year where we were able to focus on ourselves. We were able to figure out what do I individually need to do to be the best for this team going into 2021. And um, I think that as seen against the Netherlands, like we all had very different programs going into that game, but ultimately we ended up winning and we played all right. Black Hole will say we didn't play <laughs> not nearly as good as we needed to, which I don't disagree. Um, but all of that is to say, like, I think this team is kind of rearing to go towards the Olympics and everything that hopefully 2021 has to offer us. So um, I'm very, very excited for this coming year. And that, you know, that's not to say it's going to be smooth or easy or go perfectly as planned, but um, I'm excited for what potentially is in store for us. 
and congratulations to both of you invited into January camp. So Crystal, uh, it's coming up quickly and you got a couple of games, games against Columbia. So things are happening. Yeah, things are happening. We're excited. Um, November camp didn't feel that long ago. So it's just, you know, it gave us enough time to really get on the same page for November camp, enjoy the holidays with our, our friends, families by ourselves, which wherever you were spending your holidays. And then, um, you know, we're ready to go. January camp always gives us um, hit the ground running vibes, I would say. So it's definitely going to be an intense camp. It's a, it's a large camp where there's a lot of people pushing for positions uh, and spots on the team. And it's, um, it's a great way to kind of hit 2020 off uh, starting it. Crystal, uh, there has been uh, so much uh, positive uh, commentary from people who have played for Vlatko Adonofsky on the club level and now on the national team level. What are the qualities do you think that uh, really favor him uh, within the team? Um, I think Vlatko is really easy to talk to. I think if you want to talk to him about soccer, obviously he is like beaming. He's like, yes, I study clips all day long. Yes, let's talk. But you also feel like you can approach him with really anything. Um, and I think that's really important. Obviously, you want to keep a great relationship with your coach just to feel like they have your best interest and they see you as not just a player on the team, but as a person. Um, so I think he's easy to talk to. Um, like I hinted on, he loves soccer. He will pull up a clip of like you 10 years ago. And you're just like, why do you know that I did that? <laughs> you weren't even my coach then. So he has a big archive of, uh, some, some clips. So if you ever trip in training four years ago, he will pull it up and expose you. So just, you know, a little, little heads up with that, but no, he's, he's been awesome. His energy is awesome. He, um, really believes in us as a as a team and it's funny because he comes in obviously after two back-to-back -back World Cup championships so of course he's probably thinking like this team's already very good so what more can I do but he will find a way to be like nope that's not good enough you guys can do much better and uh, so it's great he's giving us a, an extra push even though we know obviously uh, the culture and the team is very strong but we can always get better um, and that's what he's giving us is that that window to improve. And on the men's side, uh, Jordan, a, a huge year obviously coming up. And congrats to you as well. You're uh, in January camp under Greg Berhalter. Uh, Tyler Adams is not, but European-based players do not come in in the January camp. So that's the only reason he'll uh, kind of hang in Germany. Uh, but, but tell us about the anticipation on, on your end. It's, uh, it looks like an interesting start to camp, just 12 senior team players. And then the U23s are getting ready for their Olympic qualification. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm super excited. I know there were some national team games last year um, that I wasn't able to be a part of. So it's been pretty much a full year since I've uh, been in a camp. So I'm really excited to be back. It's always such a such an honor. Um, so it's, it's gonna be a, a great start to a really big year. And yeah, it's, it's really cool to see the young talent coming through. They obviously have a big year ahead too with Olympic qualifying. So kind of getting to mix with that group, I think will be um, will be great. And, and, you know, I think our, it's just, a, it's a big year um, for a lot of reasons. We have a couple big um, tournaments, of course, but I think all eyes for us are towards uh, the end for sure. And, and um, World Cup qualifying starting and, and we know how, how massive that, that is for us. So um, I think it's just going to be a big year um, getting ready for, for that. And, and guys are just excited to, to get going. Tyler, for yourself, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier. I think you've only played one match under Greg Berhalter, and a lot of that has to do with the with the injuries. So, I'm sure you're, uh, you know, you understand your responsibility where you are, but I'm sure you're uh, highly anticipating that next time you can come back to the states. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back to the states will obviously be a good feeling after being in Europe this long. Um, obviously we just had the November camp, uh, where we played Wales in Panama. So I, I was able to get, you know, two more games under Greg and, you know, the, the development of the team is, is progressing nicely. Um, like, like you said earlier, we have, you know, the Olympics and obviously a gold cup this summer. Um, and, you know, I want to be part of both of those, obviously being eligible to play in the Olympics still, that'd be a huge honor to, you know, obviously represent the team at, at such a prestigious tournament. So, um, yeah, I look forward to, to going, you know, home in the summer, seeing family, hopefully having a, a short off season before, you know, we head into two tournaments and then, yeah, woke up or yeah, woke up qualifying right around the corner, something that's obviously a target on our back for that. So that should be exciting as well. 
Now, don't forget CONCACAF Nations League also. It's, yeah. I, I don't think, yeah, I don't believe Leipzig will be releasing you for that. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll I guess see. you never know. We'll <laughs> Tyler, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, you've got Jesse Marsh um, in the Red Bull organization, no longer with the Red Bulls, but with Salzburg, uh, you're at Leipzig. What's it like? Uh, you know, how do you feel about the fact you and Jesse are both over in Europe and having great success? Yeah, it's a good feeling because he's someone that, you know, took me in as a 15 year old and, you know, sat down with my family and told us, you know, this is the trajectory we see for Tyler. This is what we want to get out of him. And as you know, in his career and his personal life, you know, I don't only want to develop him as a player, but a young man. And, you know, we trusted him with that. And, you know, obviously when I look back at it now, I, you know, was fortunate to have the support of my family, but he supported me in a big way in, in making the decision to come to Leipzig and, you know, also sign a professional contract when I was so young. Um, and it's all worked out. So I'm very happy to see the success that he's having. You know, we text all the time and stay in contact. We were kind of hoping we drew each other uh, in the round of 16 for Champions League, which would have been funny if he if they made it through. Um, but yeah, an all around a, a great coach, a great person, and he's helped me so much in my career. Well, I remember the uh, the style of uh, Red Bull New York uh, when he was there, uh, and you were a part of that. And I, I took a great interest in reading uh, uh, the athletic you did a a story just talking about the tactical side of things at Leipzig and it kind of reminded me of what I used to watch at Red Bull New York I, and the one statement that sticks out is that uh, when we won the ball back we had eight seconds to get it into the final third or the attacking area of the field so uh, that's an emphasis on getting forward yeah absolutely that's one of the key tactics um, that we have, you know, within the whole Red Bull organization and philosophy, um, whether it's in the academy or the, the senior level, um, you know, as many final third entries as we can have to just create opportunities to score goals. Um, that's kind of what we're known for, a young, energetic team um, that's not afraid to take chances. And yeah, that's kind of our philosophy, which is a good one. It's a fun one to play in. Well, the four of you, it's, uh, it's just been fantastic to be able to listen to your stories over the last year or so. And uh, even before that, a little uh, Crystal Dunn played at Albertson on Long Island. I remember watching you play under Phil Casella. So Crystal, because uh, we're both the uh, metropolitan area people, I'm going to give you the last word. What do you got for us? Send us off. Um, well, first of all, happy new year to everybody. Um, I hope obviously, you know, we step into 2021 um, with a whole lot of change, uh, racial uh, justice change and just, you know, just everyone doing their part and obviously getting rid of COVID, you know, it's going to take everybody. I think that's what we learned in 2020 was, you know, this is the time to be selfless. This is the time to really do what's right and, and be responsible so that we can all get out of this um, in a better way. So obviously here's to 2021 being way better than 2020, um, but take all the positives with it and just, you know, let's let's keep moving forward and, and work on this change together. Very well put. And on behalf of uh, United Soccer Coaches, I wanna thank you all so much and wish you all the best in 21, both on and off the field. Volkswagen Ambassadors, Crystal Dunn, Kelly O'Hara, Tyler Adams, and Jordan Morris. Thank you so much.